0: I think sometimes when we read the early chapters of the book of Acts, in our minds we put a huge distance between what happened at Pentecost and what happened in the story that we're about to discuss. We put a huge distance of time between the life of Jesus and those events. But understand, there were not years between Christ's life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and the day of Pentecost. There were not months between the life of Christ and the day of Pentecost and the events that followed. There were basically weeks So, if you could do the timeline, just to help us to understand, if we were living in Acts chapter 2, on this day, August the 18th, 2019, that means that the resurrection, I'm sorry, the ascension of Jesus, took place in the first or second week of, of August. I'm talking about, don't isolate that statement. Say, pastor's teaching heresy. Christ died in August. That's not true. Follow me, okay? Please keep it in context here. If this were the day of Pentecost, that means Christ ascended on August 8th, okay? That just happened. Christ just ascended. If today's the day of Pentecost, Christ just ascended. And that means that he was crucified and buried and rose again sometime in early July. So it all would have taken place in this context right in this summer. So about the time that has elapsed between the 4th of July, how many saw fireworks 4th of July this year? About the time that has elapsed roughly between when you saw fireworks and today is about the same amount of time that elapsed between the crucifixion of Christ and Pentecost. Then right after Pentecost, this happens. Peter and John, they're in Jerusalem. All this has gone on. Thousands of people That's one of my favorite jingles right there. Uh, Anyway, thousands of people have trusted Christ as their Savior in the city of Jerusalem. Peter and John decide to go up to the temple at the hour of prayer so that they might have the opportunity to preach Christ some more. And so they're on their way to the temple understand that the church at this point and for many years thereafter had no church building it wasn't like they had a place to assemble that's why the bible says daily and from house to house it's they met in homes they had their prayer meetings in homes they had their bible studies in homes for a very long time and so They're on their way to the temple, not because that's where church was, but to find people there who were praying to tell them about Christ. They're on their way, and they're coming up to a gate. The name of the gate is Beautiful. Beautiful is the name. It may have been a beautiful-looking gate. I don't know, but Beautiful was the name. They're walking through the gate, and there by that gate is somebody that I would imagine they have passed before, But now being filled with the Spirit of God, they're seeing things with new eyes. And they walk past this man. By the way, it's very easy to walk past people in need, isn't it? It's very easy to walk past somebody right this very morning in church who has a broken heart and totally walk past them and not even inquire. It's very easy for us all to do. They're walking past. They're walking through the gate. And there's this man that they no doubt have encountered before. And I don't know what he is saying, but he says he, he's asking alms. And my mind goes back to the Robin Hood movie where the guys, you know, alms for the poor. So that's what he had to be saying because that's what they said on Robin Hood, right? Alms for the poor. He's sitting at this gate. The gate is named Beautiful. Peter and John are walking through through the gate on the way to the temple where they hope to find some people praying so that they can share Christ with them. And a lame man says, Oh, for the poor. And Peter stops and looks at the man and says to the man, Look at us. So the man is basically looking in front of him at nothing and he's got the cup raised and he's saying what he says constantly, alms for the poor. And Peter stops and says, sir, look at us. And the man looks up at Peter, by the way, can you, can you imagine the hopelessness that man had given up on any kind of dreams What a sad state to be in, to have given up on your future, to have given up on your dreams. Now it's just surviving, just getting by, just one more meal, no loved ones, no adventures, no peaceful walks by the lake, just the next meal, just survival, just Am I going to live another day, and do I even want to? That's where that man's at. Alms for the poor, and Peter and John walk by and say, Sir, look at us. And the man looks up, and the Bible says he expected, Oh, man, I'm, most people just throw their money in. This guy wants me to look at him. I'm going to score right now. And Peter said what that man just absolutely didn't want to hear. Silver and gold have I none. Well, that's... That's all you have that I could possibly want. And Peter starts off by telling him, I don't have any. Silver and gold have I none, but here's the magical phrase. But such as I have, give I thee. I can't give you what you're asking for, but I will give you what I do have. Now, again, my, my cynical mind is racing. Maybe yours is too. And you're going, oh, great. I don't got any money in my pocket, but you can have this old button that's floating around the bottom of my, I got this old key that I never, never doesn't fit anything anymore. you can have that. He's about to give me some little trinket that I don't need. I need money, pal. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. I don't have what you're asking for, but I will give you what I do have. Here it is. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Peter held out his hand. And now the man had a choice. Do I reach out and take his hand? Or do I just sit here and say, you got to be out of your mind. I'm not falling for that. And the man reached out his hand and took Peter's hand. And Peter pulled him to his feet. And the man was walking and the bible says and leaping and is it any wonder that he says he was praising god and he was walking and he was leaping and he was praising god and i just went to i just went to the santa claus movie just put one foot in front of which by the way has been in my brain a lot lately for some reason but anyway it'll be on my brain a lot more when i get this prosthetic foot that i've got coming but anyhow And he goes walking into the temple with them, hey, if you want to go tell people about Jesus Christ and you need an attention, attention getter, what better attention getter could you have than the guy that's been sitting out at the gate forever asking people for money? And he comes walking in with you. Imagine the people sitting there and Peter says, hey... I brought, my name is Peter. This is my friend John. And we brought somebody with us that we want you to meet. And all these Jews that came to pray in the temple at the hour of prayer are doing this number right here. They're going, uh huh, uh-huh. whoa. They do a double take and they say, that's the guy, that, that's the whoa. And it opens the door for Peter and John to give the gospel, and a whole bunch of people get saved. It reminds me of one of my favorite songs, and I'm sorry that you're going to have to endure this, but I want to sing it to you because I love this song. The beggar lame by the gate was sitting all his life. He'd been regretting cause he'd never stood or walked on down the street. But Peter and John happened by his way. Look upon us. Peter did say, rise up and walk in the name of the Lord. And he leaped to his feet and the cripple cried, I can't walk without Jesus. And I can't talk without Jesus, for I refuse to live one day as before. I won't go without Jesus, it just ain't so. Without Jesus for everything that I would do, I just won't do without the Lord. Now, I don't know if that song blessed you, but it blessed me to sing it. So, you're tough luck you had to hear it. All right. Believe it or not, I'm about to wind this down. I need you to listen carefully. Brilliant statement number one, you can't give people what you don't have. But I want you to put these next three statements together in your brain. People don't usually ask for what they need the most because they don't know what they need the most. People don't know to ask for what they don't know they need. But here's what you and I know. Jesus is the great need of every human being. Don't ever forget this. Forgiveness and everlasting life are infinitely greater than any temporal miracle see our, our thinking is messed up we see somebody or hear of someone who is very sick very ill has a disease and we don't say this but I'm way too much we think it well I wish I could lay hands on you and heal your brain cancer But since I can't do that, I've got this consolation prize called salvation. That's corrupt thinking. Because let me say again, forgiveness and everlasting life are infinitely greater than any temporal miracle. Let me take 30 seconds to answer that little question mark that's in your brain. Well, how come we don't do and can't do those things that Jesus did? Jesus performed miracles... Jesus performed miracles for people who never even did get saved. Because Jesus performing miracles was not about saving souls. Primarily, it was about showing the Jews that the Messiah had come. Why? The Bible says the Jews require a sign. Don't ever forget that. The Jews require a sign. In order for the Jews to believe that a promise has been fulfilled and the biggest promise of all is the promise of Messiah, they showed, Jesus showed signs and signs and signs and more signs. We are still in the period here where the Jews have not yet as a nation rejected the Messiah. Acts chapter 3, they haven't, the full rejection does not come until they reject Stephen. And that's where God's full attention goes on the Gentiles and the Jews go sort of on the back burner. That's, that's, I mean, you can examine that and study that. That's just Bible doctrine right there. So we are still in the signs stage. The Jews require a sign, Paul said in Corinthians. So the apostles did signs to show this is the Messiah and these miracles back up the message. Can God still heal today? Absolutely he can and he does. I wish I had time to tell you about the story of of, uh, my wife's healing in the middle of a conference that we were having close to 20 years ago. Miraculous answer to prayer. But I'm talking about it was on the x-ray before before and after it was gone and the doctors couldn't figure out where that spot in the x-ray went. God does heal today. But the process of, or the, the occurrence of miracles and miracle workers, God having men who could work miracles, the mode changed. When God's focus turned from the Jews to the Gentiles. All right. You can take that or leave it. But I'm telling you, that's just that's Bible doctrine to answer that little question mark that popped up saying, how come you don't go around? How come you don't heal yourself? How come you don't you know, you don't go around uh, uh, raising the dead and opening blind eyes because it was a different set of of uh, of works of God for a different time. Okay, so put that to bed for now. You can chew on that later. The fact is. We have something greater. Remember what Jesus told the apostles? Greater works than I do shall ye do. Why? Because salvation is bigger than healing. People getting forgiveness of sins and everlasting life is, listen, a healing lasts at most 100 years. Salvation is forever. See, someone coming to Christ is the biggest thing that can ever happen. If I could go out, you know, if I could be uh, Oprah and i go around passing out cars, you know, everybody, imagine if I, some Sunday, everybody in church today gets a brand new Kia Sorento, whatever. I say, Oh, man, am I glad, just look inside your hymn book, there's a key in there. And a uh, the key to the Kia. Uh, that would not begin to compare to everyone in Lucas just checked his hymn book. Anyway, that would not be that would not begin to compare to everybody who walks through these doors putting their faith in Jesus Christ. And the great thing is, you know, you'd have to register that car. Salvation, you you just receive it. You receive Jesus Christ and it's yours. If I could go around, you know, if we, wouldn't it be great to see somebody in need and just start passing out money? That would not even begin to compare to the fact that we get to pass out the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it comes to this. I can't give everybody what they ask for, but I can give everybody what they truly need. Because what they truly need is Jesus Christ. Let me share with you, and, of course, we're going out. We're going to see people in a little while, some that we've seen before, some that we have never seen because at every single Sunday dinner, we've had first-time visitors, but we've also had a, a few people that have been at every one of these 34 dinners. Things I can give to everybody. Number one, I can give everybody my attention. How many people did that man at that gate have just walk on by and not even acknowledge him? In fact, they looked the other way to pretend they didn't see him. What did Peter say? Look on us. Can I urge you today, if you're a greeter, whatever whatever your job is today, look folks in the eye. Say, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for coming. We're honored to serve you today. Things I can give to everybody. My attention, number two, I can give everybody God's love. Our slogan, or 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 uh, what's that word? Bible, not the, what, huh? Creed, whatever. For this dinner has been, behold the love of God. It's printed on every one of those grocery bags we pass out. Behold the love of God. It's based on First John chapter three. Behold the love of God. Our, our goal is to show people God's love. We can show God's love to everybody today. And the third thing I can give to everybody is the message of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Now, I, I had intended to say this during the announcements. I'm going to say it now. I want to remind you, if you're a worker at the dinner, when, when I begin to present the gospel in English or when Brother Emil begins to present the gospel in Spanish, please, 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 be absolutely quiet. Now, if someone has a need, meet that need, but do it in hush tone. And don't, uh, hey, can I get that for you? And I'm up there giving them John 3, 16. Can I get that play for you? Do you want seconds? Uh, go to it. You say, Pastor, I was obnoxious. You wouldn't believe how obnoxious it is when I'm trying to give the gospel and and somebody's clanking stuff. And it's not, it, look, what what a guest does that's their business. What we do, we can control what we do. Anyway, so that was just a little little uh, business that we had to throw in there. The message of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Somebody today, I'm closing with this, somebody today is going to walk into our dinner for the very first time. And when they walk out, we'll never see them again it happens every every single dinner there are people that are there for the first time and we never see them again why because they may not even live here next time while they're here may be the only chance or maybe the best chance that they ever have of hearing a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and of them god moving in their heart and them being moved to the holy spirit to say I want Christ. I can't give everybody what they ask for, but I can give everybody what they truly need. They need my attention. They need God's love, but more than anything else, they need the message of eternal life in Jesus Christ.